0: Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Cytylcholine, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory, and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic, featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit Cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Your performance, powered by Cognizant, is thrilled to have uh, two leaders in uh, the the world of gaming, Angel Bernard and uh, Mike Williams. Welcome.
1: Oh Thank you. It's exciting. Hi, Gary.
0: It's good to see you. Um, to see you. It's nice to have somebody twice. Uh, so welcome again. Uh, Thank. I you you guys both have enormous uh, background. And experience in gaming, which we're going to touch on briefly. And then we're going to go into the wonderful world of uh, actually live event and esports arenas, uh, which is um, exciting, wonderful, bright, colorful, communal, and everything else. Angel, I know your history in, in gaming uh, from the days of Microsoft and GameCo. Um, to what you're doing at EsportsU. Your formal title right now is the Executive Director of the Board of Directors at Glitch.com. Tell me about that affiliation and how that came about. And and then we'll ask Michael why he's here. (laughs) (laughs) I ask myself that all the time.
2: (laughs) Mike is the visionary. I think Mike envisioned... Everyone's sort of dream venue uh, around esports, and and he built it out. He built more on top of it, and I think that's why I'm I'm really excited to be a part of the board. Um, this is an amazing project in development. Um, just quickly on my background, I I started out as managing partner of the gamer agency ran the microsoft mixer studio and the flagship store in manhattan created a lot of amazing content Uh, i also worked with the city of atlantic city in a public private partnership um, curating and and managing a host incentive fund for atlantic city we were going to build a venue there but we didn't end up doing it but that program i believe was one of the first models for public-private relationship, public-private partnerships for esports, which you see now today is is sort of making its way across the country and um, different markets. And um, I also um, have a partnership now with CSL International, which is owned by Legends, and we do feasibility studies in the um, you know esports marketplace for, you know, markets that are interested in in getting into esports and want to figure out how they can do that in their community. And then, of course, as you mentioned earlier, my love is uh, the work that I'm doing in collegiate esports at Esports U, having a lot of fun working and, and building and pioneering and innovating in collegiate esports. And when Mike asked me to join the board, I was very thrilled and excited um, because I believe in his vision. I believe in what he's doing, and and one of the main reasons is is because two reasons. One is it's we use the word esports a lot, esports stadium, but the main revenue drivers are not esports events alone. And Mike can go into more of his model there. And then the second thing that I I really um, appreciate and, and give a lot of credence to Mike too is the partnerships that he's been able to get to come to the table for this project are purely best in class. ASM Global, Legends, Cisco, Scenario, Populous. These are the best groups in the world to work with. And so I believe in their vision and what they're doing, and I'm, I'm happy to support any way I can.
0: Well, which is great, and, and it's uh, no secret why he tapped you for that with the, um, the excellence that you have um, done so far to date and will continue to. So I get Mike saying you're critical to the future of Glitch, which then, Mike, brings the spotlight to you. Um, I know yeah, just where you want to be. Um, yeah, not really. No, I never. <laughs> I know that motto
1: for this is tell no one. <laughs> I, I
0: it, it's it's always great when I talk to you because I I don't, don't want to be seen or anything else except that you are a visionary and um, you're you go back to gaming well before game work. So where did it start?
1: Well, yeah. I'm a, I'm you know so I'm a lifelong video game developer. Um, I created my first video game and had it published at 12 years of age. And uh, it was written in basic. It was published in a magazine. And the way people uh, were able to play it is they had to type in the code themselves and then they could play it. So it was printed in a magazine and you had to enter the code and then you could play the game. Uh, but <laughs> then I, at, at 17, I went to work for Interplay uh, Interplay produ- uh, Studios where we ended up doing, uh, I mean, I was the PC programmer on you a know, whole series of hits and I was a level designer and eventually uh, you know, a creative director on, on a whole bunch of, you know, ancient video games, video games that were, uh, you know, way back in the day, Bard's Tale, Wasteland, Battle Chess, those kind of things. And I, and I think the only reason I got to be a PC programmer was because I owned a PC. <laughs> and I remember, I remember when Brian Fargo hired me, he basically said, if we hire you, will you bring your PC to the office? Uh, so I think it was the PC he hired, not me. Um, <laughs> But then I went to work for Virgin and I made a bunch of video games there. Then I started my own studios. So I've run three different game studios in my life. Um, I've published, produced, um, been a lead programmer or creative director on over 25 hit video games that have sold half a million units or more. It's how we define that. And a lot of them were... You know, connected games, you know, first online game for console, first massively multiplayer online game, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, stuff like that, because I'm also simultaneously and independently of that. I'm a lifelong game player, board games, Magic the Gathering, uh, you know, uh, games like Diplomacy. uh, And I've always organized the local, you know, game club where I've done tournaments and leagues of all sorts, you know. um, I've, I've owned a game store for over 20 years, um, two of them in fact, and uh, so I just happen to be a fan of organizing teams and leagues and games and stuff. And I never knew that those two things would come together, you know, and be esports. I mean, because what is esports except organizing an event around a video game? And, right. and so having, you know, uh, real life. Because I define esports as in real life. You know, just playing each other online, that's online video gaming. That's a whole different category. Um, esports is best enjoyed and experienced in real life. Um, and well, there's, uh, and there's the nothing that comes from.
0: quite like the experience yeah. of an in-person um, competitive esports environment. That's
1: right. Well, and, you know, and I guess most recently, uh, my most recent famous thing is I, as, uh, is, is we bought GameWorks. Um, GameWorks is of course the uh, uh, location-based entertainment was started by Steven Spielberg. It's actually named after DreamWorks, GameWorks, DreamWorks. I didn't catch that either. Uh, it was built in 1996. Uh, it grew to uh, 28 of them. Uh, by the time we bought them, they were down to nine. Um, but, uh, what we did was we got involved in helping them add eSports to all the locations. So, uh, so there's an eSports center inside of GameWorks. And it was wildly successful. Because one of the things we've heard time and time again is nobody makes money in eSports. That the only people who make money in eSports are the publishers. And we're like, well, hold on a minute. We put eSports land centers inside of uh, GameWorks and we made money. Although it wasn't the eSports center itself that made the money they were basically breakeven. But what happened is the EBITDA of the entire place went up. In other words, it wasn't just the, the presence of eSports. It's what it, it's the impact it had on the rest of GameWorks because people were eating the food, drinking the drinks, playing the right. video so games. Right,
0: so you were increasing foot traffic and butts and seats.
1: Exactly, and I also think it was a demographic change. You know, whereas, you know, like Chuck E. Cheese Pizza and Dave and & Buster's, Chuck E. Cheese Pizza aims at Children thirteen and younger and their parents. Dave and Buster's aims at corporate events, you know, where people are forty years old and older. We were aiming at fifteen to, to twenty five to thirty. That was our sweet spot, right in the middle, the esports range. And those people, we you know, we it became you know, Gameworks became a cool place to hang out and and it was to an age range where they they're old enough to have their own money uh they're old enough uh, many of them to to be able to drink adult beverages uh and they all eat like vacuum cleaners i mean just continuously eating food and you know and actually one of the main things we wanted to do with gameworks is is make better food <laughs> you know no more of that you know sugar-coated meat that they serve at most barcades right uh you know uh so we had to make better food um but the numbers were undeniable and and then there's this whole question about whether or not esports is a sport, right? Is it a sport if you can drink while doing it? Is it a sport that you can smoke and drink while doing it? No, no, no. Or vape, I guess, is the modern term. Um, and the answer is uh, the numbers are undeniable. More people watch other people watch play video games than watch you know real sports, you know uh, basketball, baseball. So, yeah, having heard yeah. that
0: question of whether esports are athletes um, and whether e- uh, esports is a sport. You know, my answer to that has always been, who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't really view- matter. It's and, all about the viewership. It, 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 why yeah. put a handle on it or define it? Yeah. It is what it is. it is. It doesn't, you know, it's always like, you know, Coca-Cola, They what flavor? Well, Coke is, that's the flavor. It's Coke. When they wanted to change it, it became Coke Orange or Coke Lemon, but Coke is just Coke. And I don't yeah. know why esports and gaming, it's just esports and gaming. It doesn't have to be a sport like, uh, well, you know, this... This yeah, cin- I
1: should say that prior to this, I, I, I so we so prior to this, I owned a land center, and um, you know, and the thing about the model of a land center, like you know, like Nerd Street, like uh. Uh, like belong gaming etc um the problem with land centers is most of the people who operate these things they don't serve alcohol they don't serve food um if they're, if they m- many of them don't have merchandise right and so the, the thing is although land centers are fun you know video games is fu- you know are fun um the people operating them are more like enthusiasts like they're enthusiastic about video games but they don't really uh, appreciate how to run a retail store And because we had GameWorks, we learned this is what it's like when you do know how to run retail. And um, in fact, I was, uh, uh, Angela and I were talking about, um, there's a place in Chicago called the Ignite Gaming Lounge. And we were just, we were just taking a look at that company and how they do serve alcohol and they do serve food. And they're making a killing. Isn't that right, Angela?
2: Yeah, he he reports they're doing very well. And he's been doing it for 20 years. Um, So, um, I, I think he realized also that gaming is just one of the features. Ross, so yeah.
0: Well, so glitch, and, and let's let's go back just a little. So, so glitch is um, a physical space yeah. as opposed to a digital or just a land center that uh, you see differently than what has been done traditionally to date, which is like you know the allied. The Arlington Center, uh, yeah. Simplicity, belong all of those do whatever they do and they've done them well and they're gorgeous. Well, they, they've each had their own whatever uh, challenges, no different than any other business. But the glitch, I um, did not a center, but arenas. I don't know the, the how you're baby describing I, at the baby place. Now. Stadia. <laughs> okay.
1: Stadia. Yeah. Stadia is my. Yeah. Google took our word. Stadia. Well. Okay. So.
0: So whatever. You know, the, yeah. What. What. Whatever so that descriptor Gary, uh, is. Glitches. Um. It, it. It. Its primary focus is what, and how do you differentiate yourself? Um. One way you already have is to look at it as a business per se, which is critical. Um. In this space, because too many people look at it as an activity and not a business. So. Explain glitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, just like just like all those twenty years of me owning a game store, it wasn't a business; it was it was an activity. Uh, right. That's exactly right, because you know you don't own a game store with the idea of making money. Right, <laughs> uh, it's just a place to hang out with and play Magic the Gathering on a weekend. Um, no, but uh, let me let me let me put it in perspective, and, and mind you, you got to appreciate we really do have the attitude of tell no one. That really is our position on this. That um, we want to catch the world by surprise when we finally really reveal what we're doing. But Gary, I love you. So I'm going to tell you what it is. So, Here's the thing. I've been hearing from everybody that esports is a sport. That esports is bigger than you know, bigger than traditional sports. It's going to rival baseball and basketball, and it's going to, it's even going to come after it, uh, the NFL in terms of its numbers. And I think there's a lot of evidence to that. You know, you see the kids. You know, they they spend more. You know, people under a certain age range are spending more time watching other people play video games than anything else on on streaming services, right? Um, and everybody talks about it. Every, you know, And even, even Blizzard, God bless them, decided to put out this Overwatch League where they the entire league is designed with regional teams. And you have to pay tens of millions of dollars to be the official licensee for territories. And the people who are creating these teams are themselves the same kinds of people who own football stadiums or football teams and football stadiums. And they own baseball teams. I mean, the, the kinds that people are making the investors, the Stan Cronkies, the Robert Crafts, you know, And they're investing $100 million plus to start an esports team these days. Uh, FaZe, Phase just went public and, yes. you know, and their valuation is like a billion and a half dollars. So with all that money in all these places, uh, the one thing that hasn't happened and the thing that I just seized upon, even as we were going into a pandemic, it's like, where are the stadiums? If esports is a sport, there ought to be stadiums. In fact, there ought to be 32 stadiums. Why 32? Because that's how many baseball teams there are. That's how many football teams mm-hmm. there are. Should they be regional? Absolutely. They should be regional. How do I say that? Because when I lived in Seattle, I became a Seahawks fan. When I left, I stopped being a Seahawks fan. So yeah, they ought to be regional. And, and so there ought to be stadiums. There ought to be teams in the stadiums and there ought to be 32 of them. And everybody talks about it and nobody's doing it. And, you know, and even as, you know, things like nerd street and long gaming are popping up all over the place. Uh, you know, they they might call themselves stadiums, but they're really land centers and, and there's a big difference, right? There's a difference, a stadium is where you sit and watch professionals play um, and that you have an opposing team, you know, playing against a home team. And if you're gonna do it right, if you actually wanna make money, it's gotta have food and alcohol and a whole bunch of, of location-based entertainment. In other words, you have to take a high performance theater, combine it with a game GameWorks, uh, tune it up to, to 100,000 square feet and make it the official home stadium of a professional esports team. And I've been pitching that, even as we went into a pandemic, and son of a gun! If people didn't start flocking to the idea, and as Angela alluded to, um, the people that are now backing this deal and part of this deal is is literally a best of class who's who of esports. And you know, and if she's the queen of college esports, I suppose what we're doing together is pro esports. And it's all about getting pro esports teams to occupy all of our stadia, stadia which we are actively building. And the reason we tell no one is because it's incomprehensibly big what we're doing. It's the budget for this is one point seven two eight billion dollars.
0: Well, I was going to say to to do that, you basically have to open them all at once, correct?
1: Uh, yeah. And we need to. Spend we're pretty close out- to that as yeah. opposed
0: to, you know, the 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 other land centers. You know, th- those to me, and they're very valuable. And there's a yeah. there's a place in the community for them. They meet, they learn, but they're almost like the math tutoring centers, like the Huntington. Learning centers sure. for video gaming, as opposed to what you're talking about, which is an entertainment-focused, competitive, larger uh, league that yeah. everybody participates in, and then you can have local affinity. Yeah, and, to, and
1: yeah, and why you? struggle? Why struggle to fund one location if you can struggle to fund four of
0: them? <laughs> yeah. So the much story, more fun. That, 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 although,
1: that, although I speaking as a capital raiser, I will say this. Sometimes it's easier. It's easier to raise a hundred million dollars than ten million, it, and that, it's easier to that, raise ten that, million than one million, right?
0: It, 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 it is as counterintuitive as that may sound. It is one hundred percent true. Well, um, and
1: I got to say, um, so the partners that Angela alluded to, who are in this deal with us, our strategic partners, their collective ca- market capitalization, if you will, is 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 almost a trillion dollars. These are gigantic companies. We're oh yeah, working
0: with. there's no and question.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like even right now, as we're going into there's inflation, the Fed's going to raise the rates, that kind of stuff, uh, the down economy or or a pandemic. These companies are so big that 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 doesn't really phase them as much as it does. No, They have
0: staying power to a certain extent, which you're a line item, um, a small line item
1: absolutely in In their annual budget. If anything, we're too small. Even we have to tell the story of 32 locations to be big enough to, for them to, to even bother with us. Yeah.
0: Which is kind (laughs) of interesting. So, so Angela, from, you know, your production experience and, and the content you produce, which is, you know, really about entertainment and storytelling, how do you see Glitch and, and the entertainment story portion of it, um, as unique and different than a lot of what has come on before?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think it's the model for modern day entertainment. Um, gamers are not kids. In fact, this facility, according to Michael's vision and and what he's outlaid here will be for, uh, what's your, your target age group, Mike? It's 15 to 35.
1: Yeah.
2: 15 to 35. So um, it's, it's not a Chuck E. Cheese in other words, um, yeah, exactly. but I think, I think not this unless is they
0: a- lower the alcohol age, right? You yeah. Know, the, the legal drinking age, if it goes down maybe, but not yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is a place where you go for date night. This is a place where you go to see all the latest technology. Um, this is a place where you go to do escape rooms and experience yeah. new vr and ar experiences um i mean something i i'd love to see us fulfill is something like a um what's the epic games the uh
1: fortnite
2: unreal engine like an unreal, unreal engine experience oh, yeah. where you come in and it experience so it's that. really
0: not just gaming so if, if, right so
2: it's not, it's not just gaming at all and and Mike knows this business so well, the LBE business, so much better than I. But um, these are and this is not just LBE. It's also the most innovative and pioneering um, types of LBE that he's planning to put in in, inside.
0: So do you you also look at putting like ping pong tables and not not compete with, but as an option from all the, you know, the, the ping pong venues that have come up that have been in Incredibly popular, yep. Um, yep. and I guess these days you might have to increase your footprint for pickleball.
1: Love, we love pickleball. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, no, but I mean, that's the thing. So, so it really is. It's it's it is a combination of a game works, a high tech, you know, super modern, uh, you know, game works combined with a uh, high high tech performance venue that that doubles as a theater, and and, and, is a, and is our stadium, and and it's that it's that. And and by the way, the third component is broadcasting. Um, so the idea that you've got live events broadcast, you know, you know, glitch on Twitch and you um, you have professional teams and you've got you um, and so many ways, to, so many options to have fun. In fact, I really, I, you know, I have, I've been talking more on the business side. I should talk about the vision side. Uh, first off, people should go and look at glitch.com. So even as we don't want anybody to know what we're doing, if you go to glitch.com, there's a conceptual video of what we're building right now in Los Angeles. And it's mind-blowing uh, people, you know, and, and I think a video is worth a thousand words, right? It, it, it really explains to you what it is we're building. And it's on the, it's in the background, but it's on the homepage of glitch.com glitch with a Y there's no I in glitch. Yeah. um that being said um we want this whole thing to operate like a, like it's a video game um the whole thing uh when first time you come to visit a glitch you're a level one guest in order to get access to certain hidden features inside glitch you have to level up uh, there's quests. You have to complete quests to get access to things. Uh, we have this concept called privilege in plain sight, where once you've once you've got a certain level or a certain amount of, of of badges on your on your profile, then you get to uh, to access uh, hidden nooks and crannies that are in there. There's actually in the video, if you pay attention to it, there's a secret Doctor Who room in the you know the interior of the TARDIS that you can't get to unless you happen to know it's there and you happen to have the right badges and honors to get there. And and it helps if you know what the heck Doctor Who is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so. yes. well, it's, it's like finding the dining room. It. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like finding the dining room door at Disneyland.
1: Well, you know, as a matter of fact, so I've been a member of Club 33 at Disneyland. If you don't know what that is, you're not supposed to know what it is. Um, And so we have that exact concept where um, there are literally areas and and attractions and fun stuff inside every game works or every, excuse me, inside every glitch, I should stop using that word, inside every glitch that you can only access if you know it's there and you have the right levels and and achievements and honors. Um, And and by the way, you know, uh, would older folks uh, be able to handle all the digital stuff inside there no absolutely not in fact uh that, you know it we had to do a study uh like for instance like how do you activate everything in, in this place you do it using your smartphone so, you, you know, so instead of getting one of those little plastic cards like they have at a Dave & Buster's, instead, you just take your smartphone, yeah. download the app, walk up to a, an arcade machine and wave your phone in front of it and magically it activates and it knows who you are, right? Isn't that fantastic? Well, the, the question was, well, wait a minute. What if our customers don't have smartphones? So we actually ran a tournament at UC Irvine and we, you know, we, ha- we did a survey of how many of the students had smartphones, and it turned out over a hundred percent of them did. And I'm like, what do you mean over a hundred percent? I said every single one of them had a smartphone. Some of them had more than one smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're gonna take a chance and say, if you don't have a smartphone, you're not welcome at glitch. We don't need you here. <laughs>
0: yeah, if you don't have a smartphone, you, you don't care about what's going on inside that 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 it just and, exactly. and, right. and pretty soon they're gonna get rid of non smartphones and, and what have you. But it would take somebody with your background and your passion for not only video gaming, but pure gaming, whether it's board gaming, card gaming, oh, yeah. to, to think of all of this, to make it so interactive for a broad-based audience, even within, you know, a relatively narrow age bracket, but not an insignificant bracket. Mm-hmm. The interesting that, you know, when I hear you say all these things, especially with a smartphone, is the um, incredible value of the data yeah. that that you will be um, accumulating.
1: Well, and it's all about people caring about their own profiles, like what are what is their ranking, ratings, badges, honors, achievements, you know, personal bests, you know, records, you know, what teams are they members of and so I mean, the whole thing is built around the culture of of uh, you know, leaderboards matter, right? We want people to actually care, you know, what their what their rank is on a leaderboard and so forth. Um because, you know, because it's fun. I mean, um, uh, in my past life, uh, we set the Guinness World Record for largest Rock, Paper, Scissors tournament. Uh, fun as heck doing it. Um, and thing about it is Rock, Paper, Scissors ultimately isn't all that particularly interesting of a, of a game, right? It, it's a relatively mild game. But you make a tournament out of it and you have, you know, thousands of people competing. Now it's fun, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So you take, you take any, I mean, all of Glitch is designed to be tournamentizable everything in the place of tournamentizable. tables. Do we have ping pong tables? Yes. And we've got the accoutrement necessary to run ping pong table tournaments. You know, do we have uh, escape rooms? Yes. But we also uh, set them up in a way where you can, you can have escape room tournaments. Where you're actually racing against another team that has an identically set up room, and the two of you are competing to see who gets it done first. Right. Everything in the place is like that. The pool tables. Yeah, the dark. You're, you're
0: like supermarket sweeps, but a current version of it, right? I mean, absolutely. Where everybody's racing through, picking up the watermelon faster than the team next to them. So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And if you've never, if you've never had a chance to participate in something that, like that, it's fun as heck. Um, you know, and then the, and then you got the opposite thing, which is you know sometimes people just want to be left alone. They just want to play their games and not be bothered. And that's where all the hidden rooms and nooks and crannies. I mean, who doesn't you know who doesn't love a speakeasy where you know all of a sudden the bookshelf moves and behind there's a the no whole question. bar back there. There, there, yeah.
0: there, there. There's no question. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, what's your timeline? And and then, uh, <laughs> I hope to live long <laughs> enough to to see it to fruition.
1: Yeah. So. The first locations start opening in 24, um, but it is at the rate of four per year for the next for the for starting in 24 and for eight years in a row to get to 32. So, um, you know, it's four and 24, four and 25, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, and you know, and less you know, less people doubt it. You know, the first leases are already signed. The first you know projects are already under development. Um, and without saying exactly where, we can say it's Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, and Bellevue. So it's, it's easy to remember LA, ABC, Atlanta, Bellevue, Chicago, ABC. Um, and But it's, those are the first four. But we, we do have the second four and the third four already, you know, in the works negotiations-wise.
0: So having this being uh, such a comprehensive land-based entertainment center,
1: mm-hmm.
0: does it, um, get rid of the need for some of these smaller land centers, or is that compatible?
1: Oh, oh, no, no, no! Absolutely the opposite. In fact, that's how that's how Angela and I completely bonded on this subject. Is um, we we want to be one of the biggest supporters of college sports, and the biggest supporter of you know of land you know centers that do these things. I mean, and, and, and bluntly, I mean, I'm being a little bit arrogant about it, but those land centers need help. You know, you, you don't make enough money renting computers in a public place to, to keep the lights on. You have to have food. You have to have alcohol. If you don't have that, then what you need is Big Fat Glitch to be one of your sponsors. You know, so we want to sponsor all these tournaments. And we look at them as uh, satellites that they can run satellite events and you know and and help feed us because we want we're the pro stadiums i mean these you never you didn't ask but these stadiums seat 2500 to 5000 people these are these are no joke right that's Um, what i'm saying and yeah they're suitable for concerts and and comedians and all that kind of stuff fairly large scale stuff and our partners include you know some of the you know some of the best acts in the world they manage all these amazing acts so we 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 want the land centers around us uh you know and and the colleges to to sort of you know um view us as the pro team and us view them as as the if you will the minor leagues or the or the no i think
0: it's important college. it's certainly yeah. important for the the community aspect of gaming that mm-hmm. that your your partners as opposed to competitors per se um, yeah and and that obviously goes a long way with mutual support uh, in, in, in all the areas that you're competing and it's great for colleges. I mean, it's a great practice center. It, it It's a, it's a great access for, um, certainly the clubs, right. You know, the college clubs, it's yeah. a, it's a great home for them as well. I think it's exciting. Um, uh, I'm not going to take too much of your secrets away since you told me it, the whole thing's well, a secret. You, you so promised me you were going to we, just might not even we dis- done, right? W- we <laughs> might not even distribute this because it's so Please secretive, don't. right? <laughs> yeah,
2: pull, pull it
0: out. We'll put a hold on it till 24 <laughs> yeah. and we'll see how we all age. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. Um, I think this is a great glimpse of the future of arenas where they have to go. Um, you know, because I think the underlying subject matter is, and, and, you know, Angela, and I touched about on this uh, earlier in another session, is, you know, nobody really knows where esports is going. If there's anything that we, we know, it's going somewhere, but where, who yeah. knows? And, and this is actually a great roadmap uh, from the entertainment value um, and peppered in with all the real-life competition and, and that's what gaming is is really all about. And gaming at its core, I guess, it's just incentive-based behavior. Mm-hmm. And from all the things that, that you're including, there's incentives to not only participate, but to continue to participate. And exactly. and, and that's kind of at the core of, of gaming. I appreciate both of your times. I've taken all of Angela's today. Um, safe flight to California. Cause I think that's where you're headed to the, uh, warm weather of Southern California this year that hopefully is no longer 108 degrees. Um, and, and Michael will be in touch. Angela, thank you, um, uh, for yeah. a glimpse of what the future of, um, land-based entertainment and e and gaming is all about. Excellent.
2: Thank you so much for, Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me. Angel, my pleasure again. Michael, always good to talk
0: to you and see you. We'll see you again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, both. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.